Today's scripture passage comes from Exodus 14. It's printed in your bulletin. Jamie, do you think that mic works better? Or no? They're all cutting in and out, so we'll just go with what we got. I'll be loud. That's my spiritual gift. (laughs) It begins in verse 19, and it's printed in your bulletin. The angel of God, who is going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. Just a moment. How many of you recognize this passage about Israel parting the waters and then going through? How many of you have seen a movie with that in there? Charlton Heston, Prince of Egypt, maybe even uh, Christian Bale and Eyeliner in that recent one. (laughs) Go ahead, if you would, as I read this, I want you to go ahead and make the movie scene in your mind. Go ahead and do that. If you need to close your eyes, if you need to borrow uh, from something that you've seen, do that. But make, make a movie, make your own version of this, and picture it in your mind as we read this. I'll pick up in verse 20. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel, and so the cloud was there with a the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind, all night, and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and the chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what did you see? I'm sure the special effects were spectacular in your mind because you had an unlimited budget. And so you saw the fire and the cloud. Maybe you saw the wind howling, driving apart in these huge walls of water. Uh, I don't know how high they went in your mind, but I was in the Prince of Egypt version. And so they went very high into the air, uh, maybe because I had seen that the most recently. And then there was maybe you saw the dry land before the Israelites and 
like Miss Leela said, not even mud on their feet because it was totally dry. Maybe you saw Pharaoh's armies screaming towards the Israelites with their backs up against the waters there, the chariots racing. And maybe you saw the waters crashing back down again upon the Egyptians. What a scene. What a scene. I don't know about you, but in my version, in my movie that I had playing in my head, I had a few quiet, still pacing shots of Moses' hands, his dirty, calloused hands. Because the scriptures take the time to describe it, that his hands are stretching out over the sea, over the waters. So in verse 21, it says that his, he put his hand out, not his staff, but his hand he put out over the waters. And then God parts the waters before him. And then it's after the crossing, God orders him again, Moses, put your hand out over the sea. And so he does, he puts his hand out there. And the waters close back down again. So with all of the action and all of the special effects, I would, in my uh, movie, if I was directing it, I would have very purposeful, quiet, still shots of Moses holding his hand out over the sea because I think that's important. I think it's important, Moses' participation in this. God does the miracle, uh, but Moses has a part in it before and after his hand is out there. So I would zoom in on that, nice and tight. Before the waters part, all the armies of the biggest, baddest superpower in the ancient world were barreling down on the Israelites with their backs up against the sea, nowhere to run. They were coming for them. And so what do you do? (laughs) This army is better equipped than any army in the history of mankind up to this point. They're well-trained. And they know that their only purpose is to run every single thing over. That is the entire purpose of a chariot. It is the Sherman tank of the ancient world. All you do is run. You just ride with it and everything before you falls because you are better equipped and better prepared. Their army is death itself. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to outrun a chariot? No, you can't outrun a horse uh, even when it's carrying a chariot with it. So it's going to catch you. Can you turn and fight? No, (laughs) because they will run straight over you before you even get a chance to swing anything at them. Maybe you could shoot them. Even if you had a bow and arrow, they are better trained and they are moving very, very fast. And so they will definitely shoot you before you shoot them. This army bearing down on them is death itself and there is no escape from it. They will destroy you. And what is more... God has just killed all of their firstborn sons. So they are highly motivated to end every single Israelite that they can get their chariot wheels on. Every single one. They are ready to exterminate and wipe out an entire nation. Do you know that feeling? Not of having an army at your back, but of having something at your back that you're trying to outrun and knowing that it's going to catch you eventually. Do you know that feeling of dread, of angst? There are some people close to me in my life uh, who are very big into Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, and uh, they speak of addiction like this, like there's some massive force that is always hounding them and chasing them down from behind, and they always have to contend with it. Every day they have to get up and make an effort to stay ahead of that chariot that is 
writing them down and trying to take them all over again. And we would be kidding ourselves if we said that alcohol was the only addiction. We can become addicted to all kinds of things, and really addiction is just anything that we are powerless before. It could be food, it could be gambling, it could be our our, our phones that we keep in our pocket and and check constantly, it could be uh, how much we pour ourselves into work, it could be anything. We can be addicted to just about anything. Or maybe addiction is too strong of a word and you can't see yourself there, but maybe there is something in your life that casts its shadow over you, that is constantly hounding you, and that you know that you cannot escape from. Maybe it's a relationship that has long since gone sour that you just can't get out of. Maybe you feel like you need to and you just can't. Maybe it's a boss who absolutely terrorizes you and makes your every working moment uh, a living Hades. Maybe you know what that's like. I was reminded, again, in this week's news, of the terror that some men cast over women by forcing themselves upon them with advances. It's an evil that needs to be put out of our world. And it's frustrating that it's still around. Sure, we need to um, uh, rescue our daughters from this kind of abuse and terror, but we also need to teach our sons to be better. This kind of behavior is not acceptable, that when someone says no, it means no. We need deliverance from all kinds of things, from debt, from bills, from our past, from people that tend to drag us down and make us worse than who we really want to be. In this story, Moses reaches out his hand, and God parts the waters, and they are able to escape. They are able to get away from this army, and this is what we all want. We all want this kind of deliverance. We want to escape the trials in our lives. The bills are piling up. God, deliver us. Violence is rampant in our society, and we say, God, please deliver us from this. The toxic people that we have in our lives, God, deliver us. Stressful conditions at work or at home or in school or wherever, and we cry out, God, please deliver deliver us. And we stretch out our hands, we reach them out over the waters of life, and we pray for a miracle. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. God wants us to reach out, to pray, to realize that not everything is in our hands, that we need God's power, that we will rely on his power, not our own. God made a path for Israel, and God makes a path for us too. If you go back to the story, you see that there's a fire uh, of God's presence, and then there's this wind that shears through the waters, and then there's the dry earth beneath. And it's like all the elements of creation in this one moment again. And that's intentional in the story. God is creating goodness and a new people all over again. He is creating them through the fires of creation that he used several books ago, several thousand years ago. And he creates a way for them. And that same powerful creating God wants to apply that to us. It may seem silly to try to apply something this big and this grandiose that applied to an entire nation to ourselves, but I think we ought to because God can and will deliver us, especially when we feel like there's no hope. You know, it seems like the enemy is right on top of our backs and there is nothing but water before us. Reach out your hand. Pray and watch what God does in your life. Watch him make a a way forward for you. 
It may not be what you think it should have been or what you were hoping for, but God delivers. You may think I'm preacher talking up here, that I'm symbolizing something, but I'm not. I'm really not. I've seen too much now. I've seen people in impossible circumstances who were healed. I've worshipped on the pew next to people who I never thought would make it out of a hospital bed without visiting the morgue first. And here they were on the pew, worshiping with me the next Sunday. I keep a letter in my office because uh, the lady forces me to. Uh, It's a letter from her doctor um, reporting that her entire infection of hepatitis C, which is supposed to be incurable, is gone from her body. And she wanted me to have that as a reminder that God does amazing things. I've known alcoholics who have become sober and have been sober for years, even decades. I have seen people move from a place of destruction to choosing a way of life, and I know that God is in that. It's more than just poetry. This is the power of God. I've seen too much. It's not just pretty talk. Important point, it's not Moses who makes this miracle. And neither do we. God does that. We don't just up and decide to be done and then we're over with whatever we're over with. God parts the waters and delivers us. Just because the waters are open, though, in that same respect, doesn't mean everything is all better. There is still more to be done. And Moses has something else that he must do. He has to make a choice. So I had, um, I had these two friends in high school. <laughs> that came out wrong. I had more than two friends in high school. Uh, I had lots of friends, but I'm telling you a story to illustrate a point about two different friends. Okay, so there is these two friends in high school, and I'd known them both since I was in kindergarten, and uh, I knew both of them. I went over and stayed at their houses more times than I could count. Uh, I knew their parents. Their parents knew me. They were sort of like second parents to me. I went to their churches with them, all this kind of thing, right? Both of these friends. But uh, I don't know. By the time we got into high school, it became very clear um, that I was different around each of these friends. So with one of my friends, he was uh, solid and grounded, and uh, you know we would just do fun stuff together, and, and it was a lot of fun. We would go to the beach together. We'd go play volleyball uh, all day together. We'd goof off at play rehearsals at school, and we would go get Slurpees uh, at the 7-Eleven. Uh, when school let out, we'd, we'd mix every, every Slurpee that they had there into one cup just to see what it would taste like. Innocent stuff. But it was, it was like when I was around him and that group of friends, I was the best version of myself. And then the other friend, you, you see where this is going, I tended to get in trouble with a lot. Uh, so I would, we would go out at 2 o'clock in the morning and we'd jump a fence and sneak out onto the pier to go fishing. Uh, in the middle of the night, you know, just because, because we were bored. And then when we get, got back, we would play video games until, you know, the sun came up and then we would go, oh gosh, I guess we should go to bed now. Uh, and that kind of, innocent, mostly innocent stuff. But as time went on, I started to notice that the trouble wasn't all innocent. My car got a little bit banged up on one of our adventures. I got punched in the face one time on one of our adventures. True story. Uh, and so I, I happened to notice I would make bad choices and I would, 
I would be a different sort of person around him, and I didn't exactly like who I was being. And it was my senior year in high school when I realized I want to be like the first version of myself and not the second one. I like who I am when I hang out with this group of friends. I feel like that's a better version of me than when I'm hanging out with this one. And I wanted to do that, but I still found myself every now and again going and getting in trouble with the other one. (laughs) Mostly I would choose, I want to be this guy, and then every now and again I would still go back. It took me years, several years, before I finally closed the door on that relationship and said, you know what, I just can't hang out with that crew anymore. I just can't because I don't like who I am with them. And I finally had to cut myself off from it. When we're in trouble, we reach out our hand over the waters and we say, God, deliver us. And I think that's somewhat natural. We all want to get away from pain and discomfort. I think it's far harder and far more rare to reach back out over the waters behind us and close the waters to what we were connected to before. And we do so with a variety of excuses. We say, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. We say, well, I'm stronger now. I've been delivered from it. I can handle it now. I can be around that. I can be okay. We say, well, I can't just quit. I can't give up on that relationship. I can't run away from my problems. And really, those are all just excuses because the truth of it is we leave those waters open because... We might want to go back. We might just want to go back. And part of us does. Part of us wants to go back. We want to go back to that relationship, even though we know that it's bad for us. Even though we've been down that road before. We want to give unto our craving, our desire, just once. Just to get it out of our system. Just for the last time, even though it's the hundredth last time. We go back. Why? I don't know. Even though it's bad for us. It's familiar. We know it. I'd rather deal with the demon that I know than the unknown. So God specifically tells Moses, stretch out your hand over the water and close the waters behind you. God closes the waters and now there is no turning back. And that was a good move because it's like two chapters later, Israel wants to go back. To Egypt, to Egypt, the place where they were slaves, where they were systematically being exterminated, where they were prejudiced against, where uh, they were racially profiled, where all of this stuff happened. They wanted to go back because they were starving out in the wilderness. And they said, well, at least we knew what we were getting into there. Who knows what's going to happen out here? They wanted to turn back to Egypt of all places. Yeah, there might be trouble back there. But at least I know what kind of trouble it is. God is saying to us today, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand over the water and close the way because there is no going back. We all want deliverance from the immediate threat before us, but true freedom comes from saying, I'm not going back there again. That's when we are truly free. The mantra in AA is, you do that daily. Every day, you get up in the morning and you pray to God and you stretch your hand out and you say, today, I'm not going back. Not today. Just today, I'm not going back. There's good news in this passage today. The gospel is in here. 
God is powerful and mighty to save. So you can stretch out your hand for deliverance from whatever is holding you back, from whatever is hounding at your heels, from whatever is dogging you. You can stretch out your hand and God will make a way forward. And you can also stretch out your hand and close off the waters behind you. Refuse to go back to whatever that poison was. It's possible. It is possible. No matter how it seems to you, no matter what it feels like, it is possible. Because Jesus came to us when it looked like there was no hope left. Jesus came and he spoke peace over the turbulent waters over our lives. Jesus held out his hand and invited us to walk with him, alongside him, in the way that he showed us. What did Paul say? He says that when we come to Christ, we come so as a new creation. We are no longer that which we were. We are now new. Close off what is behind you and move forward. Jesus makes it possible. So today, Jesus is reaching out his hand to every one of us, inviting us into a new life and not to go back. And all we have to do is reach out our hands.